much. Hey, if you could just have carried on there and I could have set my ground. Um, let's come to the book of Genesis this evening, uh, chapter 12, please. The book of Genesis and chapter 12. My wife must have washed this suit because this wee thing's a wee bit tighter than it used to be. It's not me getting bigger. It has to be the suit getting smaller. We all the salads and all I'm eating. I don't know how it seems to get smaller. Thank you very much, Ivan. It's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for coming out tonight. I know there's so many other attractions on this Friday night. It's a glorious evening. And so we do thank you for taking the time just to come along and hear uh, from the Lord this evening. Genesis chapter 12, and we'll read from verse number 1, please. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, under the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thee will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And we do trust the Lord will bless the public reading of his own precious and fallible and earned and inspired word to our hearts here uh, this evening. Just in September past, I had the privilege of being in the land of Israel again. I'd been there in the year 2000, and uh, it's then 20 some odd years later I had the opportunity to go back into the land of Israel. And as I looked around the land of Israel, you see so much is happening and so much is going on. Even just to spend time in it and uh, to have a look around it, uh, it reminds you that indeed God uh, has been at work. It is, I believe, a miracle nation. Even just looking at at what's going on in the land. But of course there's more to it than just what we see uh, with the eye. Israel's never far from the news. Uh, we could prepare a message in Israel any week for any Lord's Day and there'll always be something in the news about Israel. Just uh, this week they were firing rockets uh, from Gaza into Israel, hundreds of rockets. Israel's never far from the headlines. It's it's the centre of the world in so many ways. I was, as I say, was in Israel, up in the north of Israel, near the, the Syrian border. There's a, a little place you can go to, and when you come in, you sit down and they show you a movie. Uh, and this movie is about the Yom Kippur War. And they give you a lot of the details, and you see how Israel was outnumbered, and how they were attacked when they were at their, their weakest, the most holiest day of the year. We'll say a little bit about it a little later on. Uh, but how even in the midst of that they were victorious and I remember sitting there just thinking God has to be on the side of Israel it's a miracle nation and that's what got me to think of what I'm going to talk about this evening and what I want to say first of all is something about the making 
of the nation. We've read there from verse 1 through to verse number 7. There are seven great statements here. God promises Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. I will make you a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. Curse them that curse thee. And these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And unto thy seed will I give this land. And God promised Abraham and his seed the land. And we'll say a bit more about the land in a moment. This promise, this covenant made with Abraham was reaffirmed with Isaac and with Jacob. Come over to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to work you a little bit tonight. Not too much. Over to Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 14. I want you to see without any doubt that God has promised this land to Israel. And I want you to see that this evening before we get in uh, to the heart of what I want to say. Look at Genesis 13 uh, verse 14. And here God's speaking to Abraham again. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward and westward. Remember, Lot, he, he chose the well-watered plains. Lot went for prosperity and he didn't care about his family and he took most of his family to hell. That's what Lot did. Abraham left the choice with God. And here we, we see the promise here that God is going to give Abraham again. Verse 2, and I will make of thee, sorry, uh, verse number 15. For all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Notice the word forever. And I will make thy seed to be as the dust of the earth, that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And here again, God promises Abraham this portion of land. Now, uh, there's trouble over the land this evening because there's others who lay claim to the land. You see, Abraham and Sarah were also promised a seed. In their impatience, rather than wait God's timing, rather than trust God to do what God promised he would do, they took matters into their own hands. Could I say it reverently? They thought they would give God a hand to keep his promises. What a foolish thing to do. Hagar is brought into the scene. And Abraham has a relationship with Hagar. They have a son called Ishmael. Ishmael would become the father of the Arab nations. And so the Arab nations tonight will say that Ishmael is the chosen one. And it's through Ishmael that the promise was given. Therefore the land belongs to them and doesn't belong to Israel. At the heart of the dispute in Israel tonight is family trouble. Family trouble. Family rows can be the hardest ones to sort out. I was speaking to someone just this week. He's one of 13. And his mum died recently. And she left what she had to one of the brothers. And families usually fall out over wills. He says, we will never be in the same room again as a family. Isn't that so sad? Isn't it so sad when that happens? Well, here we have the, a family problem because they lay claim to the land. But of course we see here from Genesis that the land was given to Abraham and then to Isaac and to, to Jacob and to his sons and God leaves us in absolutely no doubt. I just want you to see that God has promised Abraham and his seed a land. Come over to Genesis 15 please.
Because here in Genesis 50, verse 18, not only is the land mentioned, but we're, we're given definite borders, geographical borders of this land. Genesis 15, verse number 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. And here, God not only says, I'm going to give you land, but this is the particular land that I'm going to give you. Notice again, it is forever. Now, come over to Genesis 17. I know I'm moving you quickly. I'll slow down the moment, I promise you. Genesis 17. And look at verse number 7. I want you to see over and over again, God promised this land to Abraham. God promised it to Abraham. He promised it to Abraham over and over again. And he gives him definite geographical borders. Now look at verse 7 in Genesis chapter 17. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting, you see the word everlasting again, covenant, to be a God unto thee and for thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. I'm told in the Hebrew, this is the strongest expression of forever. The expression used here, an everlasting Possession. I don't care what the United Nations might say, what anyone else might say. God says this land has been given to the nation of Israel. I'm with God tonight. I don't know who you're with, but I'm with God this evening. Not only were they promised a land, but there was other promises here as well. There was a promise of a seed, Genesis 13, 16. You don't have to turn to it, and I will make my seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Genesis 15 verse 5. And he brought him forth and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Genesis 18 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God through Abraham and Sarah gave them a son called Isaac. Through Isaac came Jacob. From Jacob we have the twelve sons which make up the twelve uh, tribes of Israel uh, more or less. And if you, you look at the promises that God had given to Abraham, all were filled literally. In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. How has all the nations of the earth been blessed? Through Abraham's seed. Well, it's through Abraham's seed that we have the word of God. I know it's inspired, but... Uh, look at how the Jews meticulously preserved the scriptures, how they would copy manuscript to manuscript, uh, and how they would set down the pen when they were writing the name of God, uh, and how they would begin again, uh, and the scriptures have been preserved. And we owe a great debt to the land of Israel because we have the word of God. But of course, not just the word of God, we have the Son of God, who came through Israel, humanly speaking. Remember, uh, the Virgin Mary was a Jew. And again, how all the nations of the earth have been blessed through this seed. My, my point tonight is very simple. If God kept his promise concerning the seed, concerning the nations being blessed, God will keep his promise 
concerning the land. Now I want you to come to Genesis 15. Because I want to look at this covenant that God makes with Abraham here in a little bit more detail. God promised Abraham the land. Promised the land to his seed. Promised it to his seed as, a, as an everlasting uh, possession. In Genesis uh, 15 verse number 7. And he said unto him. I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. And here Jehovah God is going to make a promise here to Abraham. Now look at verse number 8. These are strange things, but bear with me this evening. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Abraham asking, how can I be sure that I'm going to inherit this land? Verse 9. And he, that is God, said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, and horror of great darkness Fell upon him. Now this seems strange. If you and I were were uh, doing a, a deal today and exchanging a piece of property, uh, we would uh, go to the solicitor. The solicitor would draw up all the agreements. We would sign, and when everything signed, sealed, and delivered, then that's how it's done. In this day and age, in Abraham's day and age, uh, when two people wanted to make a covenant together, wanted to have an agreement, here was one way they could have this agreement. They would take the animals. The animals would be cut in two. And they would be set side by side. And the two who were entering into the agreement would march up the center of the animals. And really what they were saying is, if I break my word, what has happened to these animals deserves to happen to me. I deserve to be cut in two. This was a, a solemn covenant. This was a promise, an agreement uh, that they would make in those days. And so God is making this agreement. But notice what happens in verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then we have all those names again that I'm not going to repeat for you this evening. But here God passes through on his own. Abraham is asleep. And God is making this agreement. God is making this promise to Abraham. And this is an unconditional promise. It doesn't depend on Abraham. It doesn't depend on Israel. God is going through on his own. And he said, I am making this promise to Israel. To Abraham's seed that the land will be theirs. This of course is repeated in many other scriptures. Psalm 105 verse 8 for instance. Let me read it to you. He hath remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. And confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law. And you can see how it passed from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and to Israel for an everlasting covenant saying unto thee when I give the land of Canaan 
the lot of your inheritance. So tonight as we look upon the Middle East this evening, this land has been promised to Israel. Now let me say the Lord owns all the land. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. But Israel holds a special place in the eyes of God. Hosea 9 verse 3. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land. It's called the Lord's land. Deuteronomy 11 verse 11. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. You can see that God has his eyes upon the land of Israel. Leviticus 25 verse 23. The land shall not be sold forever. For the land is mine. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Really Israel belongs to the Lord. But God said I'm giving it to Israel. It's their possession. It's their home. It's their land. Now, as far as I know and I stand to be corrected. Israel is the only nation whom God has been given, given specific boundaries to in the word of God. The history of Israel goes back to the time when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees to be the progenitor of this new race. About one fifth of the book of Genesis is devoted to the history of mankind from Edom to the Tower of Babel. The remaining four fifths concern Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I just want you to see the importance of this. This covenant has never been fulfilled in its entirety in Israel's history. Because of the unconditional nature of the Abrahamic covenant, this promise that God has made, a future and a literal fulfillment is necessary. And if we try to spiritualize this away, we make a nonsense of the promises of God. I just want you to think of the making of a nation this evening. Why did God choose Israel? Why Israel? Deuteronomy 7 verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you. Because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. Because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. And redeemed you out of the house of bondmen. From the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. God says the land is theirs because he set his love upon them. See the making of the nation this evening. I want to talk secondly about the mistakes of the nation. God gave them some unconditional promises concerning the land and the people. He also gave them laws. And in breaking these laws, uh, they could be taken from the land. Deuteronomy 28 verse 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them. And flee seven ways before them. And shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Israel hadn't been in the land for 400 years. When Moses delivered this message. But it didn't cancel the promises of God. And if we follow the nation of Israel through history. When we come into the book of Joshua. They enter into the land of Canaan. In the book of Judges we read. They forsook the Lord and served Baal. And after they floundered under the judges, they flourished under David and Solomon. They were fragmented under Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the two sons of Solomon. You'll know how 
Israel became divided. The ten northern tribes uh, became known as Israel. The two southern tribes as Judah, Benjamin and Judah. You will know how the ten northern tribes were carried into Assyria eventually. And then the two southern tribes were carried into the land of Babylon. And for a period they were out of the land. During the days of Zerubbabel, Ezra and Nehemiah, they were permitted to go back into the land. A number of them moved back into the land of Israel and they, they remained until indeed the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. Despite Israel's privileges, he failed the Lord and by the time, by the, time the Messiah arrived in human form, she had suffered subjection to the Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, the Grecians, and now in the midst of the Roman Empire. Israel had disobeyed the Lord, had turned his back on God, and God had, had scattered them. They were brought back during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. Israel was about to make the greatest mistake they would ever make. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5. When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth a son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And we know what happened. John records the words in John 1 verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. This was their greatest mistake ever. The rejection of the Messiah. Let me say tonight, the greatest mistake you can ever make in life is the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Rafaelin, just this week, it's in the paper. And somebody actually mentioned it at our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And I meant to chisel him after it, but I, I forgot to ask him. Somebody apparently has won a million pounds with a scratch card. And so all around the town, who has won the million? And so they're looking to see whose life will change having won this million pounds. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What use is a million pounds? The biggest mistake that you can make in life is reject Jesus Christ as your saviour. Israel by and large rejected the Messiah. Peter tells us in Acts 2 verse 23 him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken on by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Ultimate rejection of Christ took place at Calvary. God turned aside from them and soon they were dispersed into the four corners of the earth, but not without a promise of restoration. AD 70, uh, under Titus the Romans, uh, basically destroyed uh, Jerusalem. The Jews were forced to leave their homeland and were scattered throughout the world. Here's what God said in Deuteronomy 28 verse 64. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from one end of the earth even unto the other. There, shall, there thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known even wood and stone. And among these nations thou shalt find no ease. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. Could this be said of any other people than the people of Israel, the Jewish people? And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt 
fear day and night and shall have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Jews were scattered. Jerusalem was the capital of nowhere and had been neglected for about 1900 years. One writer said, prior to 1948, it would have taken a living faith to believe that Jerusalem could be what Zechariah described as being surrounded by nations in battle. Who would care about Jerusalem? It was nowhere, it was no place for hundreds of years. Zechariah 14 verse 2, in a day yet to come, God says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the woman ravished, and the half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Who would have thought that was even possible? When you look at Israel, when you look at the Jew, when you look at Jerusalem with the, with the Bibles closed, people would have discounted all of this. They were scattered throughout the four corners of the work. When God founded Israel, he gave them four things. He gave them a land, he gave them a law, he gave them a language, and he gave them a Lord. They defiled the land, they defied the law, they deserted the language, and they denied the Lord. And because of their rebellion against God, God allowed them to be taken from the land. He promised them that they would be disciplined and chastised. Is God finished with them? Is God through with Israel? Let's come into the New Testament to Romans chapter 11, please. Romans chapter 11. The book of Romans is, is a terrific book. Of course, all the Bible is fantastic, but what a deep, deep book the book of Romans is. And I think one thing that Romans was written to do by the Apostle Paul is to give the believers that sense of security. Nothing, nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're a believer tonight, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you might lose, no matter how dark, how difficult, and how deep the valley will be, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know there would have been Jewish people listening to this. Jewish people saved by the grace of God and they'd be saying yes Paul we know we're secure but can we trust God? What about the promises God made to Israel in the Old Testament? Is God going to keep those promises? If God's not going to keep those promises, and I say this reverently, can we trust him with our eternal security? And Paul, as he often did, preempts the question. Look at Romans chapter 11 and verse number 1. And Paul would, would know, inspired by the Spirit of God, what, what some may be thinking. Can God be trusted? Will he keep his promises to Israel? If God breaks his promises to Israel, and I say it reverently and graciously, couldn't he break his promises to you and I tonight? Perish the thought. 
Romans 11 verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? You see the question? God forbid. You can see what people he's talking about. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew. What do not what the scripture said of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying. And now come down to verse number 25. There's much in that chapter. I've preached on it before. It's a glorious chapter. But just go down to verse number 25. And, and Paul explains that God's not finished with Israel. God's not through with Israel. These Old Testament promises of a land, it's not something that God has given up on. It's not something because of Israel's disobedience has been annulled. Because remember, this was an unconditional covenant from God. A promise from God. Look at verse 25. But I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. Here's where Israel is tonight. I was there a while ago and if you go to the Wailing Wall, you, you will see people as dark as night. They're as dark as night. Blindness in part. Yes, there are some Jews who are being saved. We thank God for the work of the society for the distribution of Hebrew scriptures and others who are, who are reaching uh, Jewish people with the gospel and giving them the word of God, even New Testaments, and some are being saved. But blindness in part, by and large, they're in darkness tonight. And you go to Israel, you'd see how dark they really are. But I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. Is God through with them? Look at the next word. Until. There's an until. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. I, I remember Pastor Eddie Ray, the late Pastor Ray, preaching in this passage. And he said the word fullness means the full number. And when the church is complete, I believe Jesus Christ will come for the church. And we will rise to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. When the full number are saved and the church is complete, we'll be taken home. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion they deliver and shall turn away in godliness from Jacob. And God will begin to deal with Israel again. So when the church age comes to an end, the church will be taken home and God will begin to deal with Israel again. God said he would regather Israel. Isaiah 11 verse 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathras, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah. Listen to this from the four corners of the earth. This is not the Babylonian return. They came from Babylon. They didn't come from the four corners of the earth. There's going to be a regathering of Israel. They were scattered. God says, I'm going to bring them back into the land. Jeremiah said that the exodus from from Egypt would cease to be a wonder in a day to come. 
Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 14. Therefore behold the days come saith the Lord. That it shall be no more said the Lord liveth. That brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. What an exodus that was. What a journey that must have been to go through the Red Sea. Uh, roll back and they were brought out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. What a picture of our salvation. Jeremiah says that's going to cease to be a wonder. That's going to be nothing compared with God bringing the Jews back into the land. Therefore behold the days come saith the Lord. That it should be no more said the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, from all the lands, whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land, and I will and I give unto their fathers. Jeremiah 23, verse 3. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them, and will bring them again into their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Ezekiel tells of a regathering of Israel chapter 36 verse 24 for I will take you from among the heathen and shall gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land we could look at Ezekiel chapter 37 the, the valley of dry bones the question is asked can these bones live verse 18 said this verse 8 sorry and when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them. And you see Israel coming together but no breath in them. In the land but dead. Spiritually dead. That's where they are tonight. Read on down that chapter we're told that it represents these bones are the whole house of Israel. There's much more we could say about that this evening. I wanted to talk about the making of the nation the mistakes of the nation. God had to scatter them. But God says I'm going to regather them. And then I want to talk lastly. About the miracle. Of the nation. Jeremiah 16. Come to Jeremiah 16 for a moment. I read it but I want you to see something in it. The more water I have. The longer I preach. And I started in Friday night. Sometimes I get a dry Sunday. And I know they're not expecting a long sermon today. Jeremiah chapter 16. And look at verse 14. I did read these earlier. And I left out a couple of verses. Just to show you something. This is an amazing book we have tonight. It's an amazing book. Therefore behold the days come said the Lord. That it shall be no more said. Remember we, we mentioned that the, the exodus will become nothing compared with what's going to happen. Now look at verse 16. I didn't read these verses. Behold I will send for many fishers said the Lord. And they shall fish them. You know when you're, when you're fishing it's the bait that draws the fish. And for, for many of the Jews the, the thought of being just back in their land. The, their heart yearned for the land. And they, they, they just wanted to get into the land. And so they're, they're drawn because of their love for the land. Then see what else it says here. Behold I will send for many fishers said the Lord. And they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters. And they shall hunt them from every mountain from every hill. Out of the holes of the rock. Some will, will come because they're drawn to the land. Some will be driven into the land. Persecution. Ethi or Ukrainian Jews even at this time. Making their way back to Israel. Russian Jews. Many suffer in persecution and are hunted. And one way or another. God is bringing them back into the land. 1947 the United Nations voted to partition Palestine. Into a Palestinian state and a Jewish state. The Arabs of course 
rejected it. But in May 1948, the Jews declared the state of Israel. It is said that World War I prepared the land for the people. World War II prepared the people for the land. And so the, the door would be opened and Israel was born as a nation once again. In AD 70, the Jews were scattered. There was no Jews, not one in Jerusalem, only a handful in all of Palestine. By 1880, there were 25,000 Jews one way or another into the land. In 1914, at the beginning of World War I, it had risen to 90,000 Jews. By 1923, it was 180,000. 1935, 300,000. 1937, 430,000. 500,000 at the end of World War Two, 650,000 uh, was the population in 1948 after it became a nation. Then they started to flood in as God said they would. 1969, population 2.8 million. 1970, 3 million. 76, 3.5 million. 1990, 4 million. Uh, the, the, the last count that I had was over 7 million people in the land of Israel. They have come from over 100 countries. How has this nation survived? 1948, after the formation, uh, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq decided they would attack. 1956, in the midst of the Suez crisis again, uh, the Jewish forces were under attack. 1967, the Arab nations again prepared to destroy Israel in what's known as the Six-Day War. Uh, in a preemptive strike, Israel destroyed some 400 Arab aircraft. This was under uh, the man that many of you may remember, Moshe Dayan. As a result of this war, they kept it Jerusalem, the West Bank, Gaza, Golan Heights, and the Sinai uh, Peninsula. You know, when, when Israel was born, they were surrounded by 40 million Arabs. They were outnumbered. 40 to 1 in troops, 100 to 1 in population, 1,000 to 1 in military equipment. They should have been wiped of the face of the earth. But they're still there. And there's only one explanation, God. God has had his hand upon the nation of Israel. 1973 was the Yom Kippur War. Egypt and Syria attacked on the holiest day of the year the Israeli defences were overrun but within days Israeli forces, forces had crossed the Suez Canal into the south of Egypt and were within firing distance of Damascus and indeed Israel won that war as well they should have been wiped of the face of the earth they should have been annihilated but they're still there tonight because of 1967 war Jerusalem is now in their hands. They're in the land. They have Jerusalem. The Hebrew language has been born. Again, it's nothing short of a miracle what's happening in the land of Israel. As a race, he was old when Rome was young. He has outlived every nation and empire that persecuted him. He has defied the laws of history and preserved his racial identity, though scattered in over 100 countries for hundreds and hundreds of years. The miracle of the nation tonight. The making of the nation. The miracle, the mistakes of the nation. The miracle of the nation. Stories told, sometimes you're never sure how true these things are, but 
Napoleon was once asked on one occasion, what is the greatest miracle of all time? Without hesitation, he said, the Jews. The Jews. It's often been, been asked and said as well, what's the, the greatest proof of the word of God? This, of course, is, is arguable, but certainly one of the greatest proofs is the land of Israel. When you look at the word of God and when you look at Israel, there is no other explanation only that God's hand is upon the land of Israel. Israel are in the land. They're in darkness. But I believe the scene is being set. Someday soon Jesus Christ will come again. The church will be taken home and God will turn his attention to Israel again. The Lord said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. God, I believe, will keep his word about Israel. God is right about a place called Israel. He's right about a place called heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is as real as Israel tonight. Heaven is as real as Grange tonight. Heaven's a real place. You can believe it because God's word can be believed. Hell is a real place. The Lord Jesus said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Hell's a real place. Luke 16, there was a man who died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Hell is as real as Israel. The same God that talked about a place called Israel and a place called heaven tells us there's a place called hell. But thank God tonight there's a place called Calvary. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And on that center cross, Jesus Christ bore our sin in his own body on the tree. And if you come and trust Christ as Savior tonight, you'll be in a place called heaven. You'll never be in a place called hell. As you look at Israel tonight, we have an amazing book. A book that's bang up to death. A book that is truth from cover to cover. And the same Spirit of God, the same God who's the author of this book, <coughs> tells you tonight about heaven, tells you tonight about hell, and tells you tonight about Calvary. Because he's not willing that any should die. Don't make the biggest mistake that you can make by becoming a Christ rejecter. Over in Jeremiah 31 verse 35 we read this. Thus saith the Lord which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night which divideth the sea when the waves are off roar the Lord of hosts is his name and God talks about the sun and the, and the moon and the stars and then he said this in verse 36. If those ordinances depart from before me, said the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. I would say to Hamas tonight, they might as well fire rockets at the moon 
and that the sun is fine in the day. Because God says as long as the sun and the moon's there, Israel will be a nation. The Lord set his love upon them. And if you're in Christ tonight, you're loved with an everlasting love. It's great to be saved tonight. Let's just find a moment's prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for thy word this evening. Well, thank you, Lord, we have a God who keeps his promises. Lord, as Jeremiah reminds us, not only a faithful God, but great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you for a God who was so faithful. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ was faithful unto death. Lord, our heart's desire and prayer to God tonight is that someone in this meeting out of Christ would leave this meeting in Christ knowing Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Lord, if we take nothing from the meeting tonight, we have a God who keeps his word. And one who says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. May someone trust the well-being of their soul into the hands of Christ even tonight. For it's in our Savior's precious name we pray. Amen. Matthew's going to come now and close the meeting.